Hello and thank you for logging on to the Memory Gauge, your new favourite Digimon card game podcast. I'm your host Connor and today's episode is going to be a retrospective on the 2022 competitive season which just recently wrapped up with the Digimon World Championships. Recently, the Digimon World Championships were held with nationals, winners from across the globe competing against each other to be declared number one best in the world and now the winners have been decided the dust has settled and i feel like there is a lot to unpack right now not just about the bt11 format that we're currently in but kind of about the game as a whole moving forward so without further ado let's get straight into it Alright, straight into our main topic, and obviously the big event that is on most people's minds at the moment is the Digimon World Championships, because it's got that gravitas, the World Championships, that's what everybody, really if you're a serious competitive player, that's what you're aiming for, you're aiming to top those World Championships, to go there and hopefully to come out number one. But the World Championships is the culmination of a whole competitive season that started in 2022 and recently wrapped up. And there were a lot of different events, competitive, non-competitive, major, not major, that took us from there to here. So in this episode, I wanted to give a bit of a retrospective on a few of the bigger profile events that have happened over the past competitive season for the last year, sort of since around this time last year, 2022. And we're going to take a look at kind of the structure of them, notable events that happened. And hopefully out of all of that, glean some insight, some information that can help us moving forward in the game into the 2023 competitive season that is kicking off very soon. So I wanted to start with the major event that is kind of looming biggest in my mind personally, because it's the one that I had the most to do with, nationals now across different sections of the world across different regions events called sort of nationals were held and they weren't necessarily only open to one nation a lot of them were actually open to various regions but generally speaking they were known as nationals probably because that's what they were known in north america but they were really cool events really really major events and for a lot of us one of the big main first big in-person events that we got to participate in I know that here in Oceania, the Nationals here was the first big in-person event, sort of bigger than a big locals, that I got to participate in in some capacity. So specifically, I wanted to give a bit of a retrospective on my Nationals, but also we'll duck in and take little bites out of all the different events that happened across the world. But my Nationals experience was maybe different from a lot of people's because I actually wasn't there as a player. I went to the Oceania Nationals as a member of the commentary team. I was on the official commentary stream for the event runners, official stream of the event on both days. The event taking place over two days with the first day being sort of the main crux of the event. And then we got a top 32 cut out of that. And on the second day, we saw the top 32 play elimination against each other until eventually a winner was crowned. It was a really, really cool time. It was awesome to see so many keen people coming together in one room. 
united by their love for the game, by their interest in the game. And I thought the event was run really well. Our event here in Oceania was run by TAC Games, and I thought it ran really smoothly. I got to see a little bit of the behind the scenes, obviously, as a member of the team. And I just think that the event ran really well. So shout out to TAC Games. I wasn't doing the playing side, so maybe there were some hiccups here and there. I think tables were a bit at a premium in the space we were in. But overall, I think it was a really good event. I'm going to put links to the show notes, by the way, to a lot of stuff. Here, I'm going to put links to the official coverage because I think that the stream ran really well and it's worth going back because there were some amazing games. There were some amazing moments. I got to stream with Briefree on day one and on day two, I got to stream with Sai from Digiburst, both excellent sort of um, knowledgeable people who know a lot about the game. So it's really worth taking a look back at that coverage if you haven't already. So links to that will be in the show notes of this episode. Personally, I've participated in many major events since starting Digimon, which traces all the way back, my time traces all the way back to the start of the English language release. But this is the first major in-person event that I got to go to, and it's a whole different beast when you're playing in person. And I know that a lot of people around the world felt the same, where you're getting those hundreds of people together in one space, playing the game, coming together for the love of the game, wanting to do well at the game as well, not just being casually interested, but interested enough to come out to an event like that and participate in that. It was really something special. And if you get a chance to do it in your own region, I would highly recommend it because it was really, really cool. But of course, the information that everybody wants to know as well is what actually won. Oceania, we had a bit of a a bit of a unique case amongst different regions, although all regions, I think, showcased how their region plays the game differently. For instance, in Oceania, what actually ended up taking out our event, winning the top 32, winning the whole match, was Grandest Kuagamon with a bit of a blue splash. That was chosen because people thought that Black or Greymon was going to be really prevalent. And people sort of preyed on the Black War Greymon decks. They knew that Black War Greymon wasn't going to tech against Grandis. People weren't expecting it. So the players who played Grandis were really able to sort of predate on the Black War Greymon decks and do really well. We saw a lot of Black War Greymon decks across the day, the two days, but Grandis generally did well. And our top two decks were Grandis. So they did really, really well. Taking a look now at the top 32 cut, this is the, uh, these are all the decks that were represented in the top 32 to get an idea of kind of the spread, which is interesting. BT11 is sort of coming to an end. We see BT12 on the horizon, but it's always interesting, I think, to look back and see what's the spread of decks in various places, because the way that various regions tend to play the game and the decks that they kind of like to play stay a little bit the same. So we can still use this to inform maybe what we're doing going forward. So here in Oceania, the top 32 decks, 12 of them were Black or Grey on X, which we knew that was a bit of a boogeyman going into the format. So we knew there was going to be a lot of them. Eight grandest Kuagamon decks in the top 32. As I said, that was kind of the the deck that people played to beat the best deck. And it did really well in our region. So we saw a big representation from Grandis in the top 32. Two Jessmon decks did pretty well. I saw some cool stuff out of Jessmon. Got a bunch of new pieces just recently with the new starter deck. So not surprising that we saw a lot of them and saw a bit of representation in top 32. Mervamon also represented two times in the top 32. A fun purple deck does some cool loop stuff. People are very passionate about purple. So again, not surprising to see that in the top 32. What was a bit surprising was we saw not one but two Machine Dramon decks in the top 32. They actually performed 
really well and were able to do some really cool stuff. I think Machine Drum One was a bit of a surprise pick. Not many people were ready for it, ready to play against it. And I think it had a reasonably good matchup against some of the top decks. So we saw a couple Machine Drum One decks represented in our top 32 here in Oceania. We saw one Blue Flare deck. The cross is pretty powerful. There's a lot of stunning under that. But overall, I just think it didn't compete against the other decks. We saw one Metal Garurumon X deck. Unfortunately for Metal Garurumon X, with the advent of Black War Greymon X, I think it just doesn't match up to that sort of speed and power. One BL Starmon deck. There's always going to be one person running it because it's really popular. <laughs> one Mastermon deck. Again, a very popular deck. Gets a lot of support. Got a lot of support recently, so not surprised to see it represented. One Beelzemon deck. People love purple, what can I say? And one security control deck, which which was pretty interesting that security control made it that far, especially with so much protection now. Um, it did pretty well. And yeah, one security control deck was represented in the top 32. So clearly someone was piloting, piloting it quite well and was quite passionate about it. We also saw nationals events in other regions around the world. A couple of the... We're going to look at a couple of the regions that I have information for here. And I just want to shout out to any of the coverage teams, any of the people who ran those events in other regions, because although I haven't looked too deeply into it, I haven't seen much complaining, much negative feedback about those events. So anybody who's run those events clearly has done at least an okay job. So shout out to them. There might have been, again, some individual hiccups, some small problems here or there, but overall, I think it went very well. So congratulations to those people and to the coverage teams on both events us coverage i heard went very very well shout out to eggman and to digipanda i think and all the other people who joined uh, the us coverage and the eu coverage as well what there was of it in the us taking a look at the top 32 decks the overall winner was black wall greymon x again just a massive showing from that deck so not surprising that it did really well just because of sheer numbers but also we knew it was going to be very, very powerful, and it showed a lot of the Black War Greymon X decks in the US playing the um, playing the Omnimon X antibody tech that kind of protects against Grandis. So in the US, I think the decks were expecting to see Grandis a little bit more, and so Grandis didn't do too well. So in the top 32 for the US Nationals event recently, we had 14 Black War Greymon X decks, just four Grandis decks because of that Omnimon tech, because of that preparedness that the US had for for Grandis with their Black or Greymon X. For Crossheart, we didn't see that represented in Oceania in the top 32, but I'm glad to see it here because I like that tech. It, it did really well. I think it's quite powerful in certain matchups. Three Blue Flare decks, not a dead deck by any stretch of the imagination. Two Security Control decks, still a very popular deck, still very powerful if you're not prepared for it. One All Force Vigilmon deck, very interesting. Didn't see it represented much in Oceania because it's quite expensive with the four copies of the new Rena secret rare tamer that you need to kind of make the deck run. But somebody put it together and apparently it did really well. One copy of Jessmon, one Dorbikmon deck. Bit of a sleeper hit. The Dorbikmon deck is capable of some pretty powerful OTKs. Hard to play against because of that Digicross effect. So we can see where maybe it's doing quite well. Somebody had the bright idea to play it and made it to the top 32. So congratulations to that player. One BL Starmon deck and one just red War Greymon X deck, which is really interesting. But obviously War Greymon X can use most of the Black War Greymon X pieces anyway. So not surprising maybe 
really to see that it was being played and doing well because it has a lot of the same support pieces as the very powerful Black War Greymon X. And then in the EU, I only have the top 16 decks. Unfortunately, I don't have access to the top 32. Did try to find them, but wasn't able to pick them up. But we know that the winner was Crossheart with the with the Mervamon Splash, which is really cool. I personally, my version of Crossheart, I don't play this. But seeing this and seeing how well this deck did, I might need to switch over to the Mervamon Splash because apparently it's quite good. Uh, also represented in the top 16. So overall, we had five Black or Greymon X decks in the EU, five Crossheart decks. Two War Greymon X decks, we've already kind of talked about why all these decks were good. One Blue Flare deck, one Grandis deck, one Bloom Lordmon deck, the only one we've seen represented amongst all of these results. Again, I think it was quite powerful, had a good matchup against a lot of the better decks of the format. Maybe just not quite enough to get it over the line. And one Sec Control deck. So, overall, I think Nationals did really well. I think there was, generally speaking, a lot of coverage. Although, personally, I would have loved to see maybe some more promotion of the non-US coverage. Again, we saw that kind of US and North America kind of got all of the attention. Because it's one of the bigger markets and that's sort of sensible. But... It would be nice to see some recognition that there were, you know, we were really putting our heart and soul into the coverage down in Oceania. I'm sure in the EU, there were content creators who were putting their heart and soul into that content and it's just not being sort of plugged enough because it doesn't have quite the market reach. So it would be nice to see some more support for maybe non-US regions, but that's my only real complaint. And mostly it's a pretty selfish complaint because I want to see myself getting pumped out there. Overall, I think the events ran really well, but if you participated in one of these events and have a different opinion of them, I would love to hear from you. So I'm looking to get a bit of feedback on this from people who have participated in these events as well, because I didn't participate in many of these major events. I was more sort of a viewer, a spectator, a member of the commentary team. So looking to get a player's perspective. And if you have that, please feel free to share it in any of our socials because I would love to hear it. We also recently had the Ultimate Cup. And the Ultimate Cup is kind of solidifying itself a little bit as a bit of a different sort of beast. It's not really a competitive event so much, or people have treated it as a competitive event, but we saw that with this most recent Ultimate Cup, there were alternate deck-building criteria that took it away from what we know to be uh, the sort of competitive format. So Digimon recently, Bandai recently, I say recently, I'm old, so all of this recently stuff happened in the last year. That's what I mean when I say recently, because it's all just like it happened in the last week for me. Um, put out some, put out some feelers, put out some polls about alternate rules for the game that people might want to see explored, whether they want to see events that use alternate, different rules that we haven't seen before. And then the Ultimate Cup came out, and it came out with a bunch of different rules that people needed to follow alternate deck building rules that people needed to follow and they were really quite interesting they not only were we playing the current format but they with a different restriction list there was a whole new restriction list that was put in place for the ultimate cup but also you could only use one color we'll go through the rules you could only use one color 
for your main and Digi-Egg deck. So every one of your cards had to have your main color. You could have multicolor cards so long as they all had that main one color. So if you your color was red, you could use red and black cards, but they had to be red and black. You couldn't use a black and blue card, for instance, because your color was red. Um, Mulligan was used. And also there was a specific restricted list. So Promo Grand Kawagamon was limited to one copy. Chaos Degradation was limited to one copy. Death Exmon was banned. Wegarurumon X Antibody was banned. Cereb Cerberusmon Werewolf Mode was banned. So we can see it was a really like very unique rule set that was being used for the Ultimate Cup. And it got a lot of attention at the time because, well, firstly, because it wasn't one of the this was not one of the alternate formats that Bandai had sort of put out the feelers about. This was not one of the options that players got to select from. So players felt that their agency had been taken away a little bit because this was not a choice that they had been given. This was just put on them. Also, people who were ready to play in a competitive event felt maybe a little salty, a little cheated because they'd already bought their tickets before Bandai put Bandai put out these new rules. So people were expecting one thing. They actually ended up playing in another they felt a little bit cheated, especially if maybe because these rules were put out so soon to the event, I think it was only a few weeks before the actual event started, people felt like they didn't have the time to properly test and build decks around this new format so that they could be really competitive. It was all kind of feeling a bit seat of the pants. But in retrospect, from People I know who have participated in the Ultimate Cup, people were really positive about it. People said it was an interesting new way to play the game. The restrictions were kind of fair, like the the um the cards that were restricted made decks a little bit more interesting. Decks were a little bit more varied across the events. So in retrospect, looking back on it now, I've heard a lot of positive stuff. But as we were heading into the Ultimate Cup, I know there was a lot of negativity. So it was a really just an interesting event. But overall, I'm pretty happy that Bandai seems to be willing to try something different and to do something new. Because I think if we get too stuck in a rut and we get too stuck on one single format and that's the only way to play the game, nothing else is tried. We don't do anything else with the game except that one format. It's going to get a bit stale. Eventually people will not want to play that one format anymore because a set will come out they don't like or a card will come out they don't like, whatever. And the game's going to kind of founder. So the fact that Bandai is willing to experiment and go in different directions, I think is an overall good sign for the health of the game. I think it's going to lead to a lot more players coming in if we have these varied ways to play the game. Because, you know, if there's more ways to play the game, you appeal to more different people. So overall, I think this is a really good thing. And knowing these modified rules, it's also really interesting to take a look at the decks that did well. There were quite a few events across different regions again and in each region different decks did really well and we saw some decks that were not represented at nationals so i think the ruling the alternate rules did their job of getting people to try new things and play differently so two events that we have results for in the eu and we have the top four decks for each of these sort of um, events in the first eu event that we have results for blue flare one Blue Flare came first, and then in the other decks in the top four were Green Hydrabond, Red Gallantmon. Gallantmon saw a lot of new sort of toys 
in recent sets and apparently in a monocolor format it's quite good and black dark nightmon which i thought was really interesting because black dark nightmon was represented amongst a few of these different top fours as we're going to see i've never thought of it as a particularly good deck but apparently in this format people worked out that it worked really well against what the other what other people were likely to play the second eu event the top four were all force vegemon actually won the whole event which is maybe not so surprising because with these rule restrictions, Old Force Vigimon, you could just build that deck the way you were going to build it anyway, and it's exactly the same. You don't have to change it. You don't have to think about it. You just build it exactly the way you were going to build it anyway, and it's probably going to run really well. So maybe not unsurprising that Old Force Vigimon did really well because it wasn't hurt by any of the changes. Same with something like Hydramon, which came second in this particular event. That deck doesn't run any of the limited cards, really. It doesn't run alternate color cards. So it just runs the way that it usually should and apparently did really well because not only did it come second, but then Dark Nightmon, Black Dark Nightmon came third and then another Hydramon deck came fourth in this EU event. So Hydramon clearly doing quite well and we'll see that as we go through the rest of the results because here in Oceania, number one was Black Gaiomon, which is sort of a Black Wargreymon X-like deck, except it was more focused around Gaiomon as the top level six rather than Black Wargreymon X and it was... Black was the main color rather than red, so it was a black base. We had Hydramon coming second. We had a red Dorbikmon deck coming third of all things, which was really interesting. Again, playing into that one OTK sort of kill the um, game style that Dorbikmon could do. And then fourth was Red Gallopmon here. And then finally, the Ultimate Cup event in the US. Number one was Red Black War Greymon X. Which also had a Dorbikmon splash, which I thought was interesting. Number two was Yellow Hybrid, of all things. A very old deck, but apparently the codes are still good. Because it, it did well here in this monocolor format, I guess. Because most of those cards are yellow. Uh, three was Grandis. Somebody <laughs> said, yeah, I see that you've limited the promo Grandis, but I'm going to run it anyway. And it did pretty well. They came third in the US. And then fourth was Dorbikmon. Dorbikmon seeing... Quite a bit of representation across all of these results. Maybe there's something to it. It gets even, as we go forward, it's only going to get more support because it's pretty general as a card. So keep an eye on Dorbikmon, I guess, is the lesson to take out of all of this. And the other lesson is, I think, that the player base doesn't always know what the player base wants, necessarily. Always good to listen to your player base and... I don't think that the player base is wrong a lot of the time, but sometimes the vocal minority can get it wrong. So in this case, I personally speaking, I've heard, heard and seen a lot of positivity about the Ultimate Cup. Again, though, that's my limited view. So if you have a different view, please let me know. Email me, Facebook, all that stuff that you know that we're going to go over when we hit the end of the episode. And then the big one that everybody is talking about, we had the World Championship, the pinnacle, the height of competitive Digimon. It was online. It was broadcast all over the world. There was a big online stream. There were highs. There were lows. There was a lot of variation amongst the decks. There were some controversial moments. It was beautiful. If you have time to go back and look at the live stream of the World Championship, uh, shout out to Eggman and Digipanda who ran that commentated on that really do take a look because it was a really cool stream with a lot of really cool moments and i will link that in the show notes of this episode but what everybody wants to know is what won the winner was a player going by the name of francisco from latin america actually who was piloting of all things 
Crossheart. Very pleasing to see. Love to see Crossheart because it's one of my favorite decks. So love to see that winning, taking out the whole thing. Well done, Francisco. Good job, Latin America. You produced a real winner there. So congratulations. Uh, definitely in order there. And then amongst the other top 16 decks, we have a pretty familiar mix. Seven Blackwall Greymon X decks. We knew that it was going to be powerful going into the format, and even with that foreknowledge, it still ran very well. It still saw a lot of representation amongst winning decks in all kinds of formats, in all kinds of events, in all kinds of arenas across the world. So that was one that the playbase got bang on. They said, Black or Greymon X, ah, that's going to be really, really powerful. And turns out it was. Two Crossheart decks, which is not... A big representation across the top 16, but remember that Crossheart won the whole thing, so congratulations to them. One just regular Blackwall Greymon deck, not the X-Antibody version, which I thought was really, really interesting. Somebody going in a different kind of a direction, trying something different, which, hey, they got to the top 16 of the World Championship, so clearly they know better than I do. Um, Mastermon, one deck. Grandis. One deck, Bloom Lordmon, one deck, Examon, one deck. I love Examon as well, although it is hell of annoying to play against. So congratulations to that player. Person after my own heart. Machine Dramon, one deck, and one Red Wargreymon X deck. So that's how it all shook out. And again, I think the World Championship, unfortunately, it was online, which isn't as fun it's kind of cool to fly everybody out get all of these international champions in the room together that's a cool photo op that's a cool idea that you can win the world um win a invitation to the world championship and you get to go somewhere hopefully from what we've seen very very recently in bandai sort of planning for the 2023 competitive season to skip ahead a little bit they're aiming to try and get the world championship to be in person. So that is something to aim towards. Hopefully that happens and that can be this really cool thing that everybody could sort of strive towards. They want to get to the world championship. They want to participate. They want to fly somewhere, meet all these international people, be on that world stage and aim to do their best to be number one. I think that would be really cool. Overall, I think the 2022 competitive season Personally speaking, as someone who didn't really interact with it too much as a player, but got to see it as an outsider from a lot of different angles, a lot of different avenues, I tried to see um, a lot of com competition from across the world this last competitive season. I tried to broaden my horizons a bit, so I saw quite a bit from around the world. I think it was overall ran really well. I thought it was there was a lot of really cool stuff going on. Um... Kind of the stuff that happens at the start of the year doesn't matter so much, although at least not in regions like Oceania here where everybody's able to go to nationals. You don't need to win an invite. Obviously more important in somewhere like North America where you need to win your invite at a store championship. Those early days of the um, of the competitive season definitely matter because you could win your invitation there. Um, so I would like to see maybe some way that the whole competitive season can work, that maybe people can strive towards something especially here in Oceania because although it's cool that everybody gets to go to nationals it also it's also kind of like oh I don't have to try or do anything I just buy my ticket and I get to go to the national event I would like to see maybe something a bit more structured across the year so it feels more like a cohesive season where we're working towards something but then without making it too difficult or too sort of uh, gatekept to actually get to these events I think Especially if there's not going to be that many players. Like a big thing is that there's 
obviously we're a smaller market down here. So overall though, I think it was pretty positive across the 2022 competitive season. Bandai's put out their roadmap for the 2023 competitive season that I'll link in the show notes. It looks pretty interesting. Like I said, they're looking to do the world championships in person, which I think is going to be really cool. I think there's some other cool things to look forward to, especially with Ultimate Cups, now that we know that they're going to be kind of less mainstream competitive and maybe tend towards something a little bit alternate, a little bit different. So we can look forward to that and seeing some alternate formats and maybe playing around a little bit more with the way that we play Digimon. Overall, I think there's a lot to look forward to for 2023. And hopefully this retrospective has been fun to look back at the year that was and also interesting in the way that it's allowed us to have a look at the different ways that different regions play the game, the different things that Bondi has been doing over the year and how the events have run. If you were thinking about going to one of these main events, now you kind of know, okay, yeah, they kind of run reasonably well. I can expect to have a pretty good time if I go to one of these. All right, you have heard enough from me by now. Now, I would like to hear from you. Our listener question of the week is, what is your perspective on the major events of 2022? What was your favorite major event to participate in? Were there any downsides? It's actually less of a listener question and more of a listener. Let's have some feedback and some discussion about the topic of this episode. If there's a specific listener question to answer, let's make it What are you most looking forward to in the competitive 2023 season? If you have an answer to that question, any of the other questions I just posed, or if you have any questions, feedback, comments, or concerns, you can email me, memorygagepodcast at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group, Memory Gage Podcast. You can wade through the dumpster fire that is Twitter and tweet at me at Connor EFMG or best way to get in contact with me you can join our discord server links to all of that will be in the show notes and i am always happy to hear from you listeners make sure that you are following us on your podcast service of choice so that you can be notified when new episodes of this show come out given our currently erratic release schedule i'm currently recording this not in my own house which goes to show you how things are a little bit up in the air at the moment but hoping to get a few more episodes out in the coming weeks So make sure you're following us so that you get notified when those episodes drop. And please rate and review the show. It really helps new people find the show. It helps the show grow. And when the show grows, it becomes a lot more fun for everybody, I find, because we get a bigger community. And that's really what it's all about. I wanted to build a community with this show. So let's do all do our part to kind of grow that community. Rate and review the show if your podcast service of choice allows you to do so. All right. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Memory Gauge. Logging out.